0: I I live in uh, Hebron, Indiana, which is just south of Valparaiso. And so I'm driving down this road and it kind of, like it's it's later in the evening, probably around between five and six. So the sun is starting to go down, but there's still enough daylight. But regardless, I'm kind of driving through the shade and I see a pretty large dark shape in the middle of the road, which again, out here is really common roadkill you know we get sizable deer and uh, in all honesty I'm flying down the road but when I see the shape I stop because uh, lying in the middle of the road there's enough space for me to drive around it and I figure well this is probably a turkey vulture on the other side of this animal and I'm between maybe 30 and 40 feet away from it at this point come to just about a complete stop Yeah, I see this head perk up on one side of it. It's not a dog though, and it's not a deer's head. It it seemed thicker to me than a deer's head. It had kind of a longer and broader uh, hooked beak, uh, something between maybe a dodo bird's uh, head shape with a really uh, dramatic hook on the end, more like a parrot. It turns and it actually, uh, I see its profile, but it actually turned away from me. But it kind of, it sits up on its two legs, spreads out its wings, and seriously, these wings were as, about as wide as the road I was driving on. So that's between 15 and 20 feet wide for a two-lane country road. And it flaps a couple times, barely lifts off the ground, but manages to like hop, glide, and it disappears in the trees. Disappears.
1: Thanks, Greg, for sending us your Thunderbird sighting that you saw on the way to work one day. If you're listening to this show and uh, you've seen something you can't explain, record it on a voicemail and send it to us, blurrycreaturespodcast at gmail.com. This week we're going to be talking to Leroy, one of Roger's friends. If you haven't listened to Roger's episode, it was a couple episodes ago called I Dug Up Giant Bones, you probably want to go listen to that episode first because that kind of helps explain what's going on in this episode. And uh, Roger told us about some of his friends who had similar experiences who live in the area. So we're going down the trail of what's going on up in Minnesota. And before this episode gets rolling, we uh, interviewed Leroy, a friend of his. I think I always want to speak to the skeptics because there's so many people on Reddit and other places who've been commenting about this episode with Roger. You know, they get frustrated. They feel like it's it's too out of the box. It's too left field. It's too weird. And I trust Roger 100%. I've had so many phone calls with him, and we've talked about all kinds of things. But you can hear a little bit of nervousness in Leroy's voice. And, you know, you come on a radio show, you're older, you're later in your years, and you're trying to explain what's going on. And I think the nervousness lends some credibility to the fact that, you know, it's harder for some of these older gentlemen who've been farming their whole lives to to tell their stories. I don't think this is something that... These guys want to get on podcasts. They're not young Bigfoot researchers who are hopped up and ready to go and, and and create channels. We're talking landline phones, you know, having to call them and find them. So that's just all the backstory of Roger and his friends to help you understand that Luke and I are trying to piece together what's going on up there. And this might help you ease some of your skepticism that in some ways these guys are either a little nervous to tell their stories and a lot of times it's so easy just to go ah man you know in the age of the internet just be super skeptical so listen to leroy's story you can hear it in his voice a little bit that this isn't easy to just dump out on the world and uh let us know what you think All right, welcome to uh, the podcast, Leroy. We've been on the trail of this story in Minnesota. We uh, we uncovered a lot of weird stuff when we talked to Roger. Part of me feels like the initial reaction a lot of people have when they hear some of this out-of-the-box information is to think, man, you know, like, I don't know. It's just some guy's story up in, you know, and they write it off like some crazy farmer. They say things to rationalize what they heard, right? So we thought we would chase this story down and and hear some of the people connected in the same areas or having similar activity. And Leroy, thanks for coming on the show first First and foremost. You've had some Bigfoot activity on your property and some other unexplained things. Can you just kind of explain how you got to know Roger first and then kind of launch into some of the, when you started realizing some of the strange things were happening on your property?
2: Yeah, I have uh, a friend of ours worked with Roger on the railroad, and uh, then when Roger had his uh, America Unearthed TV show, well, then he thought that you know both of us were interested in the same things, Viking type things, and so then I got in contact with him, and he came up, and I showed him like the earthworks that are around here, and and then I went to his place, and. <laughs> We've been back and forth a few times and trying to figure things out yeah and then and then the bigfoot thing too
1: so you met you knew Roger, you kind of connected through the t v show and you guys started developing this friendship what what are the earthworks around your area um that you showed him? Are they on uh, your property or are they just in the general area
2: uh no, just the the general area um well uh, I live in what was uh they call a short well, the area where Lake Agassiz was, and uh, there were what I found was earthworks on the shorelines, and uh, they're quite large they're probably the largest earthworks in the United States, but they're on un- they don't recognize them as that uh like the archaeologists they just say that they're natural hills and uh, or glacial erratics, but uh, I've done enough research on them and to prove that they are you know astronomically aligned and I'm pretty sure the group that was up here was the Aztecs, and it's a it's kind of a complicated story, but it does it, there is evidence that the climate was beneficial for them to be here at the time they were here, and then when the climate changed, then they they migrated south, and their history says that that's what they did. And, yeah, um, and when you
1: when you talk about Lake Agassiz, we kind of talked about this with Roger a little bit, Luke, where Lake Agassiz was kind of how the seaway connected to the whole area up north and it and it reached into many states including like the edge of Minnesota all the way down. Right, it was
3: a it was a giant lake that that gave access to the sea. You know, we had the opportunity for the seafaring people to access what's now essentially inland areas or places that are connected or adjacent to the the Great Lakes.
1: Yeah, I was I, I was going to say maybe before we hop into some advanced ideas of of how the climate changed and everything. Could you talk about your story of how I mean, were you just always into uh, to ancient history or did you start having activity on your property or near you? You said Roger's talking about thunderbirds being on your on your property and he said you guys saw some. Orange bubbles of energy coming up out of the ground. I mean, there's some weird, interesting oh, yeah. phenomenon going on. So, yeah. what, can you can you kind of walk us through the timeline? Like, you know, how does how does all these events kind of lead up to it? And is that what kind of propels you to trying to look at look at things differently, like the ancient history and whatnot?
2: Okay, um, yeah, my first encounter with Bigfoot was like 1961, and our family went to Bemidji on a vacation—the only time we ever did. And you know that was for Paul Bunyan is on the beach there, and they had a museum, and we were in the museum, and they had a. I remember it was a wooden type freezer, and it had a window where you could look in, and and there they had in that case was a boy Bigfoot. I didn't know they didn't say Bigfoot. It was it was a boy. There were weren't too many people. That I remember in the museum, and uh, one group, you know, the guy said, "Well, is this a fake?" And the guy that was at the museum said, "No, it was found in a river just this fall." Then I uh, was—I don't know when. Maybe Paul Harvey was on in the at noon, and I always listened to that. And he had a report that said that a boy Bigfoot had been stolen out of the museum in Bemidji. And when he said that, I thought, "Wow, I was—you know—we saw that display and." And uh, I remember my sister was maybe four years old and I was probably 10 and she couldn't see up into there without being lifted. So I had to lift her and she wanted to see it like maybe three times. And so I got a real good look at, you know, that boy Bigfoot. And then, then later I had, uh, uh, I can't remember if I'd heard these other stories of people around here before I had my sighting, I was going to put up no hunting signs and so I drove across the bridge, and uh, there between the woods and a pasture, there's an open field, and on the side of the pasture side, there was standing what I thought was a moose, you know, looking right at me, and it was as big as a moose, it was dark. By the time I grabbed my binoculars and looked up, it was walking, it was walking on two feet, and I watched it as it went across the field, you could get a pretty good look with the binoculars, and I could see it had a huge upper body, and uh, you could see the muscles, you know, and uh, moving. And uh, when it got to the edge of the river, to the grass, and uh, it made a kind of a right turn, so I could see the arm swing as it went, you know, to the edge, and then I think it must have just jumped down into the river. And then after that, I, I even said to myself, "Well, what did you just see?" And uh, I'm pretty sure, well, then, then I started talking to other people who had, you know, had are seen, uh, had experiences in the area.
1: How much time elapses bef- between your, you said you were 10 years old, you are a boy, yep. you see this Bigfoot at the museum, and then this sighting. What, how, what, what's the time frame?
2: Oh, yeah, it was maybe 15 years ago um, that I saw that, uh, that crossing of the, of the field.
1: So a long time between.
2: Yeah, a long time. I, at the time, I didn't know much. I didn't, we didn't have internet then and had only a little bit of information about them and what they look like. And I talked to a guy who was at, he was about 10 years old and he went, him and his brother, and that's, that's about, about 40 miles from here. They live where there's, you know, big sloughs and they were walking along the slough and they saw something brown up ahead and they just kept walking. And, when they got close to it 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 stood up, and when they saw it, you know it screamed, and they both screamed and and they took off running for home and it took off they said they were he said they were close enough to see its face you know good and and he th- he thinks that they were um or that it was um you know digging for roots along the slough and might maybe getting food that way.
1: So, question is: Is like you're you see this forty fifty years later? Did you, do you immediately go back to your thoughts as a boy looking oh. at?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just you know it's just kind of funny when they everybody's looking for this body and here it they already had it in Bemidji, but it, you hmm. know somebody maybe we were the only ones that had ever seen it. Too few of us.
1: Who do you think took it?
2: I don't know if I tried to research the story too, and you know. You know it through Paul Harvey's stories but I never did find it or or like uh, any newspaper uh, story about that being in the museum but that's quite a while back so they probably didn't have anything on the internet. I find,
3: uh, I find it fascinating Leroy is that like you this is before the internet right so a lot of people will talk about Bigfoot and, and saying people are because people know about this thing or because they're such a you know a spread of information, and the access information is right at your fingertips. That people you can manufacture experiences, but I mean, this is before all that. You're seeing something like out yeah. there. You know what you're seeing, and it it harkens back to the you know you saw a, you know one in a, in a in a museum display, and I just yeah. found that super super credible. So that is this what you kind of connected with with Roger over? So you've had yeah. an experience, um, and he starts talking about all the stuff that happens on his property, correct?
2: Yeah, I was. I- first time I visited there, it seemed like within five minutes there were two tree knocks and and then they said to me, Oh yeah, they figured out there's somebody new, you know, talking. <laughs> but that was interesting.
1: <laughs> when you looked at this Bigfoot in the cage, is this boy Bigfoot, could you see like his face? Or yep. was it just kind of really?
2: Yeah, if it was his face, the window was, you know, just his upper, you know, head face. I can still picture what he looks like. My my sister that I was holding up to see it, she can remember that too. And then one of my other sisters remembers.
1: Can you describe that for us, like what it looked like?
2: Uh, yeah, it was definitely boy. Um, you know, he had dark hair, um, not hair on his face, heavy features like nose and that, you know, and uh, quite large. But still, you could tell it was a, a boy, I mean, in, a, in what he looked like. You know, I believe the guy that said that they had found him frozen in the river yeah, it's just really interesting that you know I was able to see something like that. And
1: yeah, and we heard a story about this Luke about this principal who dressed up in a Bigfoot costume and and then told the cops to come and oh. shoot blanks and, and and pretend that there was this big. So back in the day, all I'm saying is back in the day, people were had thicker skin back then. You you don't think that people were? You think this was a real Bigfoot? You don't think they were yeah. made, made this thing? The
2: guy. I remember it didn't even use the word Bigfoot, just that it was a boy that they'd found. Cause I don't Like a feral
1: that. child or something, like yeah. Mowgli.
2: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's uh...
1: <laughs> that's know, kind of know. a weird experience, you know. You're ten years old. You look in the glass and you see this thing. I mean, are you what? What are you thinking? Are, is like, is it kind of rocking your world view a little bit? Or are you kind of like scratching your head, like what? <laughs> what is this?
2: Yeah, you kind of wonder well, what you know what type of being is that <laughs> I remember that kind of you know and uh but uh, didn't know much about Bigfoot back then and I'm not sure when all the other uh, evidence was starting to come out about him
1: <laughs> yeah 1967 is when the famous Bigfoot video Passion. was filmed yeah yeah, yeah. so this what, what year was this 62. In Bemidji?
2: 62 it was around 61 or 62 and I'm thinking 62 and, uh, so th-
1: this is a good five years before the infamous yeah. Bigfoot footage.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> huh. It's did what did what you see through the binoculars that day in the field? Did it look like? it looked similar to this 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 creature you saw as a kid?
2: Uh, well, I don't know. It was definitely a you know a, a large male. My my perception of it being a moose and and the height rise you know didn't change as it was crossing the field and then. You know, if it was a man, uh, you'd never see the muscles on the back move because they'd have a shirt or a cover all on. and yeah, that was some of the things that I thought that uh, made it I mean,
3: definitely yeah, definitely legit right yeah.
2: The arm swing was such was such an extended one, you know, like they do <laughs> and uh,
1: what do you mean like the
2: length of it like it's just well, they uh, put their arm out quite a ways in front compared to what people do in their swing. It's a different arm swing when you're walking.
1: I I mean, do you see that in the Patterson Gimlin film? And that's what that's what Patty's kind of doing in that film. She's kind of Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, it's that same type of arm swing, yeah. It's it's different than a human's. Yeah, I remember that part of it. <laughs> then I had, then uh, you know, I just thought maybe it was one that was passing through and stuff like that, but then later I had my own close encounter with them, <laughs> and now I feel that they're in the area.
1: Wait, wait, so you have a you have a, a, another encounter.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was uh, maybe f- maybe five years ago during deer hunting. I went across the river to a spot that I like to go to because it's open field and it's about five hundred feet from the house. I walked over there. Uh, the first day, you know, it was maybe two and a half hours just standing there, and then there was a strange smell, and I kind of looked around, and and then it got dark. I walked home and. And then the next day I went to the same place and, um, it was a little bit, not as quite a long a time, but getting towards dark, all of a sudden, uh, here a rock was thrown in the water, um, just down from where I was standing. And so I kind of put the two together and I thought, oh man, I got to look around and see if I can see anything. Well, I did that for a bit. And then I thought, oh man, I should have a camera. I started walking, you know, back to the house, uh, Instead of going across the log like I did the first uh, times, I, I just went directly through the water. And uh, when I came up out of the bank, or when I was crossing the river too, the I noticed that um, in the area where the stone was thrown, it's like a U-shaped river. Well, then the the water was coming in waves, and I wonder what you know what's waves doing like that. And I got up on top, and then I I looked to the to the east and the, the there's a slope bank there where I saw the three going up. I looked for where they were, and they were about 80 feet away from where I had walked. And there, it was a depression, and there was trees falling on it, so they were you know, sleeping in there, I guess. And when I went down into the river, they must have went in the opposite direction, and then the, the banks of the river were like 10 feet straight up, so that's why they followed the river to get to that area where they could go up it up the slope bank and then (laughs) it was some time that went by i guess it had snowed and then the snow melted and i thought i'd just walk the river well then i found tracks where they had gone into the river and it was right along the edge there were three tracks like the one on the on the right was a left foot and the one on the on the left was a right foot so i knew there was you know three and then a small one in between and we cast them on a nice Sunday, uh, warm. Then it then it gets funny because uh, as we were casting the tracks, uh, waiting for it to dry, my daughters had set up a camera, and uh, it was because the sun was setting in the west. It was pointed, you know, in the direction where the casting was. Um, we took our pictures, and and then two of the pictures, um, you could see in the background the image of a Bigfoot, and it's a pretty good. You know, to me, it is you know the, a correct <laughs> and a true picture of one. I think what ha- what he did is he came and saw what we were doing as far as casting the tracks. And
1: um, he wanted his royalties, right? He's like, "Hey, you got to pay me some money for them for them tracks. Those are my shoes."
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I, I know. Hey, and, is uh, it
1: possible for is it possible for you to send us that photo? Because I know our listeners yep. right now are, oh, well, awesome, awesome. We'd love to see that photo. And yeah. Th- and yeah, this we, is uh, a rare, this is a rare thing because most of the time people see this and they ne- they never get any evidence. And that's always the, uh-huh. that's always the problem, right? It's just, oh, another story of <laughs> seeing something in the woods and there's no proof, right? Yeah. What? And what year was that when you, when you got this photo?
2: It was like seven years ago, maybe.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, so this is your, this is your third encounter then? Or is that your is that your fourth? No, it sounds like you you saw it in the you saw it as a boy. Then you saw it in the field. Then you yep. saw the three hunting, and then you saw and you were casting tracks a oh, fourth yeah. time.
2: That's true. That was it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. It is fourth. Uh, then then after you know we went went and got the tr- uh, the casts. Uh, the two big ones were really deep in the shale, so you know there's no. It's just that you can see it's like a human foot type. But the little one, you could tell it was barefoot. But then then uh, the very night, I think, that we were you know, going to bed and shut the lights off. There was stuff hitting our house. They were throwing stuff at the house. And um, we were all still awake. And I think my wife even said, you know, I said, well, what's that? And she even said, sassy. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> and so this, this
1: encounter is this sorry just to just to try to get a visual uh, this encounter this encounter's right by your house
2: yeah it's not very far um it's about f- the where they were sleeping um it was about 400 feet from our house okay. so they were really comfortable with being close to us <laughs> and, um and then uh it, it they threw stuff at our house i think it was four times uh, a couple times it seemed like it was in the morning and you could hear like something hit the roof and then roll down. And the first time it was on the west side, so I went out there to see what it was. I couldn't find anything. I thought maybe it was a stone. And then the, the second time it rolled on the east side, and we have our porch. Well, it it was up on the porch, and I found uh, a piece of ice that was deformed, like it had been held in a hand, you know, melted. <laughs> but it was kind of deformed. And uh, it seemed like after that, then then that stopped, but, uh, I had it's like a, a Is it like a
3: snowball? Like when you put it, when you form a snowball in your hand, you get this little, you know, it ices yeah. up and you, yeah. Yeah. Right. It
2: could yeah. be like that, or it could have been a, yeah, actual piece of ice that kind of melted. Yeah, after that, then it kind of stopped, but, uh, it shook me up because I knew that casting the tracks was what, they they probably didn't like that. And I'd, I wasn't going to report it at all then as far as the sighting. <laughs> and I figured, mm. uh, since then i've had other encounters at the same place in the river and the same place where i would be hunting uh one time there was snow on the ground and uh, all of a sudden this uh something came falling down from the tree uh, that was in front of me and uh i saw it hit the ground and it was tan and i i didn't know what it was so i went and picked it up here was a mushroom that was flattened out and i think they had thrown a mushroom Towards me, <laughs> and uh, the mushroom was interesting because it wasn't frozen, and uh, I would kind of have expected it to have been frozen. And that, at that time too, I looked around and couldn't see any any you know anybody that had thrown it. And...
1: Huh? Bigfoot throwing your mushrooms?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and I this... did I did leave you know pretty shortly after that too. <laughs> I left the it mushroom like a, there. Sounds
1: like sounds like a Bob Dylan song that. Uh... It didn't get released. Oh
2: yeah, okay, just, yeah, mushrooms. Just kidding, just
1: kidding. <laughs> Is that their food source? Uh, know, who
2: knows?
1: <laughs> some people think that people are eating mushrooms and then they see Bigfoot. That's the problem. You know? Oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, I, man, you have all this Bigfoot activity. I, I just got to, you know, pop in here real quick. Like, you know, some of these guys, some of these people. I mean, you you know, farmers. You know, Roger. Yep. And you know, they farm. These guys farm their whole life. They're out in the fields their whole life and they never see these creatures i mean i'm sure you guys like you and roger i just met with just walls of skepticism where you know you try to tell your story and you try to you know recount this and do people think you're crazy what do they say i mean a lot of people have been writing us like man roger's story is so out of the box i don't know what to think Um, and the reason we wanted to bring some of you know you guys on the show is because you guys you've made friends you've you built yep. a kinship between your experiences, like speak to the skeptics a little bit, and then what do you think what do you think these creatures are? What okay. are your experiences trying to to connect with people and and share this truth
2: uh, yeah yeah i like told neighbor like neighbor up river um, I showed him the picture and that, and then it was interesting I was at his place, and he had these ponies, two ponies that he just bought, and there was one that it had uh, braided from the one side of the mane, and then braided from the other in a V, and then you know, tied up that way. And I said, "Oh, the the Bigfoot like to do that. They love horses." And and he said, "Oh no, that's just the wind tangle." <laughs> and uh, we had a horse too that uh, uh, it came from the Bemidji area. And uh, one time I saw her, and her her mane was braided in the V and then there was a stick going through the the bottom and I you know I asked my girls did you guys do that and well then I found out from Roger you know that that's what they like to do and uh, this horse was probably really um, used to having uh, you know Bigfoot (laughs) come by and uh, I haven't seen it lately on the other horses that we have now.
1: Hmm. So you still have horses then?
2: Yeah, we have a couple now.
1: Yeah, I mean, Roger kind of blew the wheels off of, of of the story by Luke by saying that Bigfoot was coming in doing joy rides in the middle of the night. Yeah, like riding the horses. are yeah. they are they riding? Are are, is that happening? Are they riding your horses too, or is that? Oh,
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that, but uh, yeah, I saw the horse that had the braided mane with the tail. Um, that, or the the yeah the tail hair that went almost to the ground. I saw that when I was at his place. So. But I think definitely that's a sign that that uh, you know the Bigfoot has been oh, visiting with the horse and <laughs> they like them, I guess. And
1: Why do you think that is? What do you what what, what do you think about horses specifically? Horses? Like, well, yeah,
2: yeah. I don't know. I think the you know the Bigfoot itself is a real uh, mild, timid. Some of the some of them are that way, and they're shy. They like to be out in the evenings.
1: And well, it's interesting about the horses. Like I have an idea that, like, you know, I don't know if you, I, I, my my knowledge is really limited, but a lot of you know, when you ride a horse, first thing they tell you is the horse can sense your energy. So if you're afraid, if you're if you're stiff, uh-huh. you know, you're going to have a problem. Like the horse could kick you off. They don't like it. They it's like you have to be and just kind of be very aware of your own energy when you're near the horse, or it'll, or it'll kick you yeah. off or hurt you, right? So. <laughs>
2: Yeah, they do. They do uh, pick up on that. Um, yeah, I think so.
1: Maybe they can communicate with the horses, Luke. I don't know. Maybe they can oh. tell <laughs> them what they want.
3: It's the
2: animal world, yeah. man.
3: It's possible.
1: We have. Uh,
2: <laughs> it's interesting yeah. too with the cattle. You know, sometimes if you're if you're out in the pasture and you kind of come up on them and they, uh, oh, they they're surprised by you. Like I was kind of thinking that. Oh, maybe. They get visited by Bigfoot too, and they get surprised if they, you know, they're trying to think: Are you a Bigfoot or?
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: because you know, a lot of times they start running around like uh, something special.
3: What What else has happened? Like uh, the the you'd oh. say that, that just a weird. I know there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff that happened on Rogers property that is is a little bit on, out there, bizarro for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, um, I have land that's on one side of the woods, so I have to. You know, if I'm if I'm working over there, a lot of times at noon, I just walk through the woods. So it was a couple of years ago, and I was walking back and forth, and uh, I'd maybe maybe walk back and forth ten times, and I was thinking as I did it, well, man, I'm coming, I'm coming out in the same spot, you know, on the north side. Well, then uh, I finished my haying over there, but I had to go over and and uh, pick up a rake and. When I went over there, I saw that the spot where I came out of was completely blocked by trees. Like they'd pushed trees in on the hmm. on that very spot. You know, compared to the rest of the edge of the woods, that's the only spot that's like that. And I don't know if they're saying that they didn't uh, <laughs> didn't like me going in and out like that, or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you hear Roger's story, though, and he like his goes a little bit beyond that. It's like these things are. Yeah, talking talking to him and singing to him, and yeah, he's 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 taking it to the next level because we hear a lot of these other stories, Luke, and and you know it makes you scratch your head. But but Roger takes the next level. Like, what do you think yeah. about some of that stuff? Like, is that oh, uh, like, yeah, is he... that harder for? Is that hard for even you to believe, or is that like oh yeah, that happens? Oh. Like, where are you at it?
2: Yeah, no, I think I think yeah, that's I can believe it. That if you you know put enough energy into trying to get know them and like for us we have dogs so they don't i guess they don't like dogs (laughs) and it was at a time when we had this just an old dog that hadn't uh she didn't go out much anymore so that was when i think they were you know coming in closer to us and i can believe you know the stories that he was telling about uh getting yeah close to them and
1: yeah i mean we you know a lot of people listen to our show have watched finding bigfoot and it's like 10 seasons of that right where they go out and bang trees and it's like, but 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 then some of you guys are having. I, I mean, it sounds like you guys are having world class interactions and sightings. There's people out there that go their whole life and try to have some of these experiences, where not only are they seeing one, they're hanging out with them almost friends, as Roger would say.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, he's really. That's lucky.
1: The, your story doesn't end there. I mean, Roger was saying you have you have you have these. This energy around the property, and then you have a, a bunch of thunderbird sightings. Oh,
2: okay. And
1: is, is this all connected? All this phenomenon, like, how come some? Here's my question: How come some people seem to draw to, ha- to be like a magnet for this activity, and some people, like the finding Bigfoot dudes, they go out and they just strike <laughs> they just strike out over and over again. Is there something? Yeah, Matt Moneymaker out here just gonna keep on oh, knocking yeah. on trees and <laughs> whooping.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the the thunderbird part. Um, it was it was a couple of years ago, and I was uh, out doing chores, and I happened to I was out of the tractor, and I happened to look up, and there was this bird that flew pretty much over top of me, and uh, it wasn't a bald eagle, and it wasn't brown; it was black, and it was uh, as it passed. Uh, there was a a large tree that had that wide at the top. And so the branches, I kind of got a judgment on, on the width of its wings. And and then uh, a little later, there was a bald eagle that flew by that same branch. And, and then I could tell that, that that bird was probably twice or more in wingspan than the bald eagle. Wow. And uh, so then I kept you know my eyes out for them. And uh, there was one time when um, I was kind of in a rush to take cattle to the market i happened to look to the west and about maybe an eighth of a mile away there was one flying and then i saw another one and the one the first one was making noise it was you know very loud to where i was at and i wished i would have took my phone and recorded it but i didn't even think of that until i was driving down the road and it has a unique sound it's not like any other not like any other eagle that makes that sound there were people in uh, Park River that had uh, heard the sound of a bird at night, and they recorded it. And then they went to an app that has bird sounds, and they couldn't match it. Hmm. Hmm. So hmm. Uh, it is kind of unique. And I've a lot of times I kind of hear that sound at a distance, and then look, and it's way over a half a mile, and I can see the bird. So I think they're flying around here, and sometimes when i've seen them and tried to get the picture and they just just isn't enough time to get out of the you know out of a tractor and try to get a picture of them as they pass by and um mm. yeah and then with uh with bob it was really interesting because we sent oh my my sister i told her about him and and her daughter was outside and she took pictures of a couple and roger or bob said well if you have a picture of one, I can locate it, <laughs> and uh, he's able to locate them. And then, then he was excited about that. He came up here from you know southern Minnesota, and it was a summer day, in I think in August. And we were, he brought in his map and his tools and his rods. I mean, and, and then uh, at the table with the map and with two blank pieces of paper, he located where we should go to find them. And we went there, and uh, we were looking around, and it was within about oh, about 15 minutes. We had, we'd we'd kind of decided to go to another area, but then as we were driving away, I looked out the window, and there one was in the sky, and then we located it and watched it land. And our plan was well, well, we went, <laughs> we saw the area where it landed, and we thought it landed in one of the shelter belts and we went to the farthest one and he pointed back to the other one and then we went to the end of that one he pointed directly in line with that so i was going to walk in having you know the cameras he was going to go on the road and watch and and uh, i did see the bird as it took off but it was on the other side of the trees that i was you know i was on the south side and it was on the north and i should have just Made my way to the other side to get pictures, but I was expecting it to come up into the air above the trees, and it, I never did get any picture. But Bob saw it, and it, he said it was big and moving fast. And then I asked him, "Did you get a picture?" No, he didn't get a picture. <laughs> he was, I don't know, too excited of, in watching it, but he was kind of far away too. So,
3: right. one of the things that we've heard about thunderbirds is that they their appearance coincides with storms. Like they come they come in with storms, or or leave with storms. Is that are you seeing? Are you seeing that, or is it? Are these, this is just like you're having clear days where these things are, are, are showing themselves.
2: Yeah, I think it's just clear days. I think the thunder part comes from their vocal vocalizing because, man, I was you know I was at eighth of a mile away and it was loud where I was standing. That was impressive.
3: <laughs> be- it begs the question, like, what's going on in Minnesota? That all this stuff seems to be happening.
2: Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> and you're
3: in your in your really in your neighborhood. I use that loosely because I know that you guys live uh-huh. near to each other, yeah. you and Roger and and Bob who we didn't have on today. But what do you think about that? What what do you think it is that it's, it's attracting the level of activity that you guys uh, are seeing? You, what is about that area? Do you have any ideas on that?
2: Oh. Well, oh, no no not really. Um I guess the the number of deer, we had, you know, we've had large populations of deer. But I, I guess in total of sightings, I've seen what I think is you know, about thirty times for a thunderbird at distances. Sometimes it's close enough. I could, if I had enough time, I would have gotten a good picture. But it's amazing. Uh, my wife had a encounter when she was uh, she was working a summer fallow field, and and she looked to the other end, and she thought that this big rock had been pulled out. Then she uh recognized it that it was a bird standing there. I asked her, you know what if you're comparing it like to our dogs, we have these smaller border collie type dogs. Was it that big, or she said no, it was about the size of a German shepherd big bird, yeah later, I thought, well, when she saw that, we should have uh gotten casts of the tracks. You know we didn't we didn't uh, think far enough ahead to go find the site where he was at. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting too in that shelter belt I did see where the bird <clears throat> had landed and was probably resting and it was quite a large area that the grass was uh was you know matted down which uh you know points to it being a big bird.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: A large bird. Just to
1: just a recap you've got you know you've got five or six bigfoot encounters between wood knocks, sightings uh even took a photo of them saw them as 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 a, as a child. And even saw a bigfoot uh young bigfoot thunderbirds all around, and then yeah. Roger also describes some energy,
2: oh yeah, bubbles That's,
1: coming out of the ground, yeah, and it seems like these things are in clusters or they're concentrated to certain areas. Is that part of the story too? uh
2: well, this uh, couple that I know they have a cabin on the next river, and they were there this winter uh early like in december and uh, it was it was nice here, so. They were there and it was the sun had already gone down it's like about seven o'clock and um all of a sudden the 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 grass to their northwest just started it it looked like it was on fire and uh light lots of light and white light and they they got pictures of that and uh, then there were these orbs that were floating around they would appear and then disappear and they were pretty excited they sent me the email of the uh, pictures and stuff and yeah we w- we went there then after they or I saw the pictures then we went over there and I, I used dousing rods and I had them with and uh, there were two of us doing it and we were walking in the area where these lights first appeared and showed up the rods were going in circles and uh, for both of us and then sometimes the rods would stop and reverse. And uh, very, <laughs> I'd, I'd never seen that happen. I'd never seen that happen. I'd never seen that happen.
1: Interesting. Interesting. And that's kind of something that Roger's episode sort of brought up to us, Luke, is like there's this invisible energy right under the ground and it comes out and maybe that's what's attracting Bigfoot, cryptids, giants, oh, yeah. are, 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 giants, ancient giants. Maybe they originally migrated to these hotspots, right, where their energy was oh, I... pooling underground or something, right? You think there's giants buried on your property too?
2: Oh, no, I, I don't think so. But... Uh... I know the Aztecs, uh, their origin, there were giants with them, and I'm not sure if there were giants here when they were uh, building their mounds in this area, but there could have been. The interesting part about the mounds, they found a disc right by it, and this etched disc, it has symbols on it, I think represent them already coming up with the 2012 alignment, like the Mayan, had this uh, 2012 prophecy of the galactic alignment well on that stone are the symbols that represent that and uh, even one symbol that's represents the tail of the of the milky way as it you know they 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 thought at that time that the a dragon eating its tail was how they represented the milky way and it does kind of have that look <laughs> to it it does have that open v-shaped area
1: what are what are some sort of some concluding some concluding thoughts that you have about all the activity around your property and the Bigfoot creature like what do you think what do you think Bigfoot is Obviously Bigfoot's more interesting than probably giant birds to to a lot of people they they want to know what, Bigfoot has a lot of fans and a lot of people love that creature it's their most it's the most beloved creature yeah. Of all the the ones out there, what do you think Bigfoot is? Um, what are your thoughts? And you can and there's no wrong answer. Obviously, you just just whatever you think.
2: I'm sure it's a it's a creature that God created. It's a great ape, very intelligent, and most of them are very timid, and they do a real good job of uh, being able to hide from people. I guess they're used to people too. I, you know, to be to be used to people and still remain uh, hidden from.
1: So you don't you don't think there's uh, any like weird other weird theories of uh you know Roger described him as three parters like like a chimera. I think it's just pretty animal like.
2: Oh yeah, I don't think no there isn't any of that. See the fallen angels um the purpose of them leaving heaven and uh pretty much uh foregoing their chance at salvation they came down in order to try to ruin the seed line that Jesus Christ would come through. And that was their purpose. But I don't think they could be messing with any animals. A flesh uh, human has a similar uh, body as an angelic being, except that it's a little different substance. And uh, they were uh, like Israel was able to eat manna which is angels food the uh, angels could produce offspring too and as far as the offspring it wasn't part of god's creation and that's why i had to get rid of it and tried uh you know keeping the seed line that jesus would come through you know adam and all the way down a pure seed line a pure uh seed line from adam
3: yeah, yeah it had to be it had to be human dna right like for like, just uh, the genealogy had to be pure. Yeah,
2: yeah, and uh, yeah, and it was, but it took uh, some doing. The first group of angels, you know, produced giants. Well, then those giants died in the flood of Noah. But then the there was a second influx of, of that when, uh, when Abraham, the covenant was made with Abraham. Then another group of fallen angels came down and produced uh, uh, offspring. Of the people that lived in that area, like the Phoenicians and the Canaanites, and the, God tried to keep uh, Israel from intermarrying with those people, and you know, keep it polluting the seed seedline.
3: Hmm. Hmm.
1: Yeah, because we we debated on our show a lot, Luke, about how how do these things survive? How do they come back? The Raphaim, right. the risen ones, and it sounds right. like
3: is it is it yeah is it one of Noah's wives, or is there a second incursion? And how do the Raphaim show up? So yeah. A lot of theories about that. Also, a lot of theories about Bigfoot. So, we'd like to hear yours. We appreciate it, Leroy. Yeah. Uh
2: huh. Yep. Yeah. I appreciate okay. it. There,
1: there, there's so many. Uh, we could. There's so many rabbit holes here we could go down between, yeah. <laughs> you know, ancient history to Bigfoot. And I think that part of what we were feeling, Luke, is is let's. There's a lot of you know, people that have that have seen some things over the years. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who I don't know how to say this without... you know there's guys with some years under their belt who 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 in my opinion don't have a lot of reason to go on a podcast and make up stories right like (laughs) right roger seems very very credible and i've talked to him so many times and i'm just trying to get some of our listeners to to who think that there's people out there who are these farmers have been farming their whole life have any reason to come on a podcast and make up wild stories and no and and when you guys start cooperating, some of your stories, it helps people kind of go, man, maybe something's going on up there in, in, in Minnesota, you know? Yeah. Oh, hit hey her.
2: <laughs> yeah, I but, think there's quite a few of the Bigfoot around, yeah. too.
1: Yeah, it sounds like if you want to see Bigfoot, Luke, you got to go buy a horse. Yeah, they like horses. Yeah. And get rid of, and get rid <laughs> of your dog,
2: right? I guess so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> seems like the dogs, and then... I don't know. Just spend the time to try to communicate with them, I guess, and right. help or play them music that helps draw them in that they like. <laughs> I guess yeah. they like Native Native American flute music is their favorite.
1: Oh, wow!
2: And uh, that I know, yeah, guy. that's a interesting <laughs> one. <laughs> I don't play the uh, flute.
3: No, it's not you. I got Uh-oh. a buddy. My buddy Charles. He's a he's a phenomenal flautist. A, fl- a flautist. He's a Na- he's a Native American flautist. Yeah. This is not a joke. We're gonna go out in the woods. Shout out to, shout out to Charles, yeah. With Charles, Luke, and uh, we're gonna have to go. Up, we're
1: gonna have to come up there. Yeah, we um, going to
3: see Leroy and Roger. Huh? We gotta get up there and okay. see what's going on.
1: Yeah, one of these days we're gonna get up there. I, we, I've been talking to Roger. We're already we're already kicking around the preliminary idea of coming up there and seeing some of this phenomenon. Is it possible for you to send us some of these photos? I know our listeners are gonna want to see uh, yep. anything anything like this. You said your daughter took a picture of a thunderbird, and then you got a snapshot of that bigfoot. Man, it would be awesome to yep. see this. Okay, I will. Yeah, here's a picture of a uh, uh, of a legend bigfoot and some thunderbirds and such. And anything you else you want to send us? Like we're fascinated. Thank you so much for yeah, coming on, coming on, blurry creatures, yeah. and ha- and helping tell uh, the stories of what goes on up there. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, interesting area in in so many ways. <laughs> just that you know the chance of being able to see one or you know, you're really lucky